From WUSC, I'm Brady Fitzgerald, and this is The Countdown. Tonight, we have a great interview with Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show. We ask him about the state of Frank Martin and USC basketball as a whole. Then, we discuss Shane Beamer's staff and the spring football coming up. Spring football game coming up this Sunday. All that coming up on the countdown. What's up, everybody? I'm Brady Fitzgerald, and I'm here today alone. Uh, Jay, uh, just like me last week, Jay has an exam. So sadly for our last episode, he's listening at home. But I know that Jay Dog's listening, and I know he's excited for everyone to hear this great interview. Uh, our intro was a little short because we had a we have a nice, great, nice long interview with uh, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show. The Spurs Up Show is it's a sports uh, radio show for Carolina that really gets into the details of things. He can talk for hours. We could do, heck, we had to cut out half this interview because we, had, we could do hours with this guy. He's such a great guy, um, great guy to talk to. And when you're looking for Carolina sports content, it's easy on, the ins- on Instagram with him. He's posts like 11 times a day, uh, and he's always into it. He always wants the best uh, information out there, and then he gives his opinions. He gives grades on all the coaching all the staff, uh, and he gives his opinions even when he isn't a big fan of the the sport. So like he's not a big ba- not a big basketball guy, but he still did pregame shows. He did postgame shows. So uh, he's in for it all, and such a great interview. And we're excited for all of you to listen to it. Well, let me ask you something, Chris, and uh, all you Gamecock fans out there, listen up. You need to listen to the Spurs Up show. Um, Chris, how did you get started doing this? Yeah, so, I mean, it's something that I always felt like I could do. But honestly, it's a much longer story than just, you know, just picked it up in January 2017. It was something where, you know, I always enjoyed, you know, I thought I wanted to be like a sports journalist when I was in school. And, I mean, I can go far as far back as when I was in middle school. I had a couple of buddies. It's funny, all my buddies, for whatever reason, in middle school, most of them were Clemson fans. But you know how when you were in literature class or whatever, you'd have like a writing block and you had like 30 minutes to write about literally anything well a lot of people were writing about whatever and me and my buddies were writing about we were writing predictions for the college football games that weekend i'm writing specifically about south Carolina, georgia like clemson maryland and like nc state north carolina and like writing in this composition book and it's kind of funny i was talking about this with somebody else you know looking back i remember uh i made this pamphlet for my grandpa it was the 2006 south Carolina, florida games i would have been 15 at the time so a freshman in high school but i made this pamphlet and i was like dude I look back and I think back and then I wish I still had it, but I remember breaking it down as key matchups, keys to the game. I'm like, we're literally still doing that now. So it's kind of crazy. If you want to go back to like the origins of where it started, I mean, it was way back then. It wasn't something I consciously thought about. It was just something I just enjoyed though. And when social media came around while I was in college, like I always gravitated towards that. I don't know. I always liked like feeling like my opinion was being heard. And I had like my own like blogs in college and stuff just kind of freelance whatever i wrote about baseball because obviously i'm a huge baseball guy but 
you know, I did listen to podcasts, you know, podcasts kind of became big, what, like 2009, 10, 11. I remember listening to South Carolina podcasts and, you know, I also liked uh, Barstool Sports, their, their style a lot. And I, I mean, I really felt like, you know, I really thought it was something I could do, but the toughest thing for a lot of people is just how do I get started? You know, how do I just from scratch? And like I said, luckily, you know, I, I was just kind of perusing social media and just was kind of evaluating things and, I ran into literally on Twitter, this platform called Armchair All Americans, and they were looking for a South Carolina contributor. And they're like, hey, you can have creative control. You can take the, you know, because at that point they had a Twitter account that had 30 followers. They didn't have an Instagram. They didn't have a Facebook. There was no podcast. They're like, you can have full creative control. You can do whatever you want with it. And I just saw the opportunity to say, hey, like, you know what? It's not much, but it gives me the platform to voice my opinion when it comes to South Carolina athletics. And yeah, I I definitely always kind of took the approach in the sense of, you know, there are the the structured media outlets, if you will, but there's really not anybody in this sphere that will just call it like it is and, and will and will be truly the voice of the fan. You know what I mean? So I guess that was kind of always, it was something that came naturally to me, but something I definitely identified and sort of just took that approach. I'm going to be the voice of the fan, if you will, and just kind of speak my opinion, be blunt, be honest. That's why I've never been afraid to, you know, if it was Will Muschamp or somebody else, you know, call it like I see it and just call it for what it is. And I think a lot of people really appreciated that while there were people out there that didn't like it. I think there were a lot more behind closed doors because I, I had people, especially during the Muschamp era, that would come up to me and say, hey, thanks for saying what we can't say, So, which was interesting. Again, and I, I'm glad to have Shane Beamer and have that positive trajectory, if you will. But, no, I mean, it's it's we, we could spend this entire show just talking about that in a sense of, like, the evolution of that. And I just feel like it was something I always kind of gravitated towards and enjoyed doing. And I've always enjoyed learning and getting better and evolving. And I always say I love to fail because, you know, the content in the beginning certainly – wasn't what the content is now. And I, I hope the content two, three years from now isn't what it is today. You know what I mean? So when, when you're doing content creation, you're always trying to evolve and get better and be cutting edge and stuff like that. But again, long story short, it was just something where, yeah, definitely, you know, I, I followed all the media accounts. I, I followed all the, which they all do a great job, by the way. It's not to knock them, but I always felt like, you know, there, there's, I always thought there's enough room for everybody to win. You know what I mean? If you're yourself, if you're your own personality, if you, if you're, if you're authentic, if you're genuine, you can win in that space. And I think that goes for anybody who wants to start any type of media outlet or podcast or social media goes for any team. I think if you're yourself and you're genuine, I think everybody has a place at that table, if you will. I think that the, the Spurs Up show, hosted by Chris, again, if you're listening, tune into a show, um, is the way you attack it as far as the voice of the fan. I think that's that's remarkable. I mean, our show itself, we treat, we try to su- be supportive of the Gamecock Nation, but at some time we want to be a protagonist and say it how it is. But you don't have a problem with that. And one of the things I want to ask you about is telling the fans how it really is with Frank Martin. And we all know that Frank Martin, you know, his excuse after excuse, because that's my job on this show. Brady is the, the optimist. I am the protagonist. And I love to talk crap about Frank Martin. But when he complains about COVID as being an excuse, here's my biggest problem. And I would like for you to expand on it is that every college in the NCAA tournament had to experience COVID. Now, I understand his own personal experience with COVID. It affected him. But how can you tell me, really, how can you tell me that just because your kids were locked up in apartments for seven weeks, can't practice, you have a game, how do you expect to perform? That's the same issue for every other college. Stop making excuses. Can you expand on that, what you really think is going on with Frank Martin and, and we, when we can celebrate his departure in one year? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think you make some valid, legitimate points. I mean, I, and I said that during the season, you know, that every school dealt with COVID to some degree. Now, did South kind of deal with it on a much greater scale with, <clears throat> with Frank Martin having it twice and then being shut down? Certainly they did. But again, every single school, like you mentioned, that's a fact. Everybody had to deal with COVID to some extent. You know, the South Carolina men's basketball situation is, is so tricky because, you know, again, I, I was shocked after the season that there was even talks of Frank Martin not coming back. Not because, you know, I was 50-50. I was in the middle in the sense, hey, if they want to bring him back, cool. I'd love to see a man get a shot at redemption. If they want to go a different direction, that's totally fine because I think there's an argument on both sides. Like, you know what I mean? I think there's truly an argument on both sides. And, you know, just to be honest, one of the reasons I was 50-50 on it too is, you know, with, with Gamecocks football and when I was so passionate about the must chant thing, and the difference, by the way, the difference between the Muschamp and Martin thing, Martin's actually a good head coach. Right, let's just put that out there. Martin <laughs> actually knows what he's doing when he's coaching a collegiate team. But here's the problem. Here's the tricky thing. With football, we have goals and aspirations. No, we don't have great tradition. No, we've never won the big one necessarily. But we want to get to the next level, right? With Carolina baseball, one of the reasons I love it, we have true standards and expectations. We have championship aspirations. That speaks for itself. Hey, Mark Kingston's either going to win and keep his job or he's not, and they're going to fire him. I mean, there's no gray area there. With basketball, the program is so blah. You know what I mean? Are there any expectations, really? You know what I mean? And that's that's a tough place to be as a fan, and I feel like apathy really set in this year. Again, you didn't have to go, even this past season, you didn't have to go make the NCAA tournament if you were Frank Martin, this team. Again, you had the COVID excuse, and I say excuse, it was a real thing. They dealt with a real issue. But just how bad you looked that last month and a half of the season, it was just inexcusable. I mean, you, it was it was hard to watch. I mean, I know the common fan. You know, I stuck it out. I kept doing pregame, postgame shows. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy who bails with a month left. But I know the common fan couldn't give a damn because it was so ugly. It was so brutal. And I got re-pissed off every time I watched that team because I was like, dude, if I'm going to take two and a half hours out of my day, especially when most of those games are on Saturdays, like, you could give me at least a decent product to watch. But when it comes to Frank Martin, here's the thing. You brought him back, cool, whatever. Yeah, fine. But the expectation this upcoming season has to be to make, to make the NCAA tournament. It, it just has to be. And if he doesn't, he should be fired. You know, I, I, I think there's this, 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 this toxin, this poison within Gamecock athletics that people want to justify current-day shortcomings because of our mediocre history. You know, people talk about Carolina basketball and just how bad they've been. Like, Bro, I don't care how bad we were in 1990. That has no effect on me. I live in the present moment, which is right now. And there's really no excuse for South Carolina to make one tournament in 10 years. I don't care that it was a Final Four. That was awesome. I literally got the Final Four paper or whatever framed in my studio. Like, it was a great moment. But, you know, you just can't keep living off that. We get farther and farther and farther away from that every single year. So when it comes to the Frank Martin thing, I said it all season. I I'm not going to be the guy leading the fire Frank Martin charge this year because i just felt like with with the with the scope of things with him having covid twice i was like i feel like i'd kind of be like an asshole if i did that and also i'll be totally honest with you when you're in my world i was like you know what i just got off the fire my champ thing and i gotta be honest that was exhausting it was very <laughs> exhausting and again i think martin is actually a good basketball coach that the question's not does martin know what he's doing coaching basketball the question is does his system still work does his style still work? Does the way that he coaches kids, does it still work? And I think that will be answered this year. But again, back, back to your point, it, it's really tricky and it's tough because I feel like there's such a level of apathy that has set in 
maybe Martin needs to go. But do we care about basketball enough to make that move to begin with? I, I just – I don't know. Like, would anybody argue that baseball is not the number two sport at Carolina right now? It's not even close, in, in my opinion. And I, I'm a baseball guy. Maybe I'm biased. But I just don't think, you know, and this is not saying that I wish Martin wouldn't have come back or that I want to fire Frank Martin right now. But any school who had realistic expectations of winning in basketball and actually cared about the program, there's no way they'd be bringing it back. There, there's no way. And that's just the reality of it. That's not being a bad fan. That's not being negative. It's just the truth. Our program is blah. There is no excitement. I mean, you hope with the guys you got in the transfer portal, maybe, you know, I think you've actually gotten some pretty nice pieces. But that was my argument is like, do we really think this team's going to be better next year with all these guys leaving and all these unknowns? I don't see it. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we're talking about this time next year, a great tournament run and all that. Cause I think that's what it's going to take to keep Martin around for longer, but you missed the tournament in year 10. If you bring him back after that, you say to the fans, we do not care about winning in basketball. We just want to have a decent enough product to get people in the seats at TLA. And that's how it feels currently already anyway. So again, to your point, I think there's an argument on both sides. I really do to both of you. Again, and you probably on a podcast, you need both of those those sides. See, like I enjoy the banter. There's a lot of people on social media, they can't even banter. They're like, oh, if you're not 110% on, on board with him, you want him fired. It's like, no, there's some things that are like worth the conversation. Let's just talk about it. Let's have some banter. Let's debate it. Because again, I think there's realistic reasons on both sides that, hey, there's a lot of reasons to keep him. There's a lot of reasons they should probably let him go. So you know, let the results do the talking next year. If he misses the tournament, go out and go out in the coaching market and find somebody else. Yeah, that's a great answer. And uh, to your point of that last month of the season, uh, all home stretch, it was like a big home stretch, lost every single one of them. I was at the only team you could beat was Georgia. If we could have just played yeah. Georgia every game, we, we probably went undefeated. I don't know. I think I've said that like three times on our show, but uh, um, yeah. And I was, I was still going to the games cause I'm just a big basketball fan in general. So even going to the games, I mean, there's no energy at yeah. the in the student section. Uh, and that, that's what the that's what the program is missing right now is like any reason for hope, excitement, optimism, energy. You know, football is going through this right now in the sense of going from Muschamp to Beamer. You know that apathy had set in. You know, I, I talked about during football season. I don't know if you guys remember this, but that morning of the Ole Miss game, his last game as head coach, I was like, I've never been less excited for a kind of football game. I was like, it doesn't even feel like game day. And that's the point basketball's gotten to where it's like, you know, it's like, does anybody even care anymore? Like nobody even wants to watch the game. So you've got to find a way to get energy and excitement back in the program. Because again, I, I just, I think the the expectations every single year for every single South Carolina sport should be to make the postseason. And I'm not saying at South Carolina basketball, you have to do that, but that should be the expectation. We, we wouldn't settle going five and seven in football every year, would we? I mean, come on. So, I mean, yeah. You, and we you shouldn't just, in any sport. Right. You shouldn't. You have you, the, the, the facilities are too good. The resources are too good. The fan support is too good. There's talent everywhere. Yeah. You shouldn't settle for less, in my opinion. I, I think making the tournament once every three to four years is more than realistic at South Carolina. And you can't use, oh, we're not a basketball school. I know it's hard to recruit at South Carolina, but bro, Alabama's winning in basketball. Like Clemson made the tournament. I mean, come on, you, you know, and they want their coach fired. So, I mean, you know, you got to look at, take a long, hard look in the mirror. And, and again, everybody wants to, you know, Frank Martin is probably the most, I, I was going to say liked coach, which is funny before this past season, I would have said that, but it's crazy how the fan base turned after this last year, even when he had COVID. But I also kind of relate it back to the baseball thing. Like, Hey, if South Carolina baseball would have stunk this year, 
Mark Kingston wouldn't have gotten a pass. Nobody would have gotten a pass for the Carolina baseball in his fourth season. So I don't know, man. Like I said, they, they've got to take a long, hard look in the mirror, establish some real expectations. Like I said, if you don't make the tournament, you got to let him go. Because if you bring him back, you're just spitting on the fan base. You're saying, we do not care about basketball. We don't care about winning. Seriously. We might say we do, but we don't really. And, hey, look what Don Staley's doing. Like, don't tell me it can't be done in Columbia. I know it's women's basketball and it's different, but at least put a competitive, fun product on the floor. You know what I mean? So yeah. let, me, let me ask you something, Chris. I think this goes for a defense of our main man, Frank Martin, which, I mean, our man, he's not the man anymore, but our man, in his attempt to make a comeback, he wants to state a lot of issues arise from this transfer portal. Having there been some 1,500 students in there, how can a university such as South Carolina, which is not known for basketball, which is kind of sad in itself because I'm a basketball fan, mm-hmm. when only uh, two, three hours up the road, you got Duke, 30 pro athletes leaving in the last five years when there's been two from USC. How can Frank Martin, his definition of building a dynasty of a school is off of bringing in great players. How can you build a university such as South Carolina's football program, basketball program, when the people want to leave all the time, they're not in, they're not buying into his system. They're not listening to him anymore. How can they? How can he even have the opportunity to build USC up to a championship or even an SEC tournament winning team if the players want to leave? Even after yeah. this year, they're going to want to do the same thing. Can you explain to us how he even plans to build a team that plans on leaving? Yeah, I mean it's crazy. It's almost like college kids these days don't want to get berated mid-game. You know, it's funny we were talking about during the season. Oh, you know, I think Frank said Jermaine Kuznar's having confidence issues, and I'm like. Yeah, no kidding. He's having confidence issues. You're calling him a mother effer with 10 minutes left in the first half. How's he going to take anything? I couldn't do it. And, you know, people love to clap back at that and say, like, oh, the kids are soft these days. They're snowflake. I'm like, you can say whatever you want, but if you can't adjust to this this day and age as athlete, then you shouldn't be coaching them. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't 1990. This isn't 1980. You can't be Bobby Knight anymore. That style doesn't work. Um how does he plan on turning? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't know how this team is going to be better next year. I mean, they've hit the portal hard. Like I said, they got a, a really good player from uh, from Washington. They got a player from North Texas. They've got a few good guys, but you've also lost basically your entire roster, your entire team. You know, A.J. Lawson confirming it yesterday. He's going to be gone, which I don't think, you know, is any surprise. But, uh, dude, honestly, I like, I wish I had a better answer. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to turn it around. That's why I said if I was Frank Martin, I would have walked. I would have left because if the expectations, which they should be, are NCAA tournament or bust, why would I put myself in that position? I know my team's not going to be better realistically. And I know it's easy for us to sit here and say that because, you know, Frank Mart's a competitor. He doesn't want to go out that way. I, I totally understand. But at some point, it's just like, dude, you got to realize you're a dead man walking. That's how I view Frank Martin right now. Like, And it's not me saying it about him in a negative way, but his situation He's a dead man walking. I, I would be shocked. I would be utterly shocked if this team made the tournament next year. Shocked. I mean, that's the only way to put it. So, um, I don't know. I don't really know. I guess they got to continue to hit the transfer portal hard. And, God forbid, hopefully COVID doesn't hit again and, and they can get full practice in and, and, you know, establish his system, whatever that means, I guess. And But I, I'm really just, man, I'll be honest with you, the past three seasons, I think, I picked this team to make the tournament. You know, I was like, this is the roster. This is the year we're going to make the tournament. 
I am not giving this team the benefit of the doubt going into next season. I think this will be another typical Frank Martin, South kind of basketball team. You know, we'll have a full non-conference slate. We'll probably win a couple we shouldn't. We'll probably lose a couple we definitely shouldn't that will destroy our resume. And we'll go about 500 in SEC play and ho-hum, that'll be the season. I think that's what will happen. We'll be on the NIT bubble. We won't do anything special. We won't do anything crazy. So how does he plan on turning it around? I mean, I think Frank Martin's probably a guy who's going to stick to his guns and do what he's always done. You know, he's going to try to get as many guys as he can from the transfer portal, try to get some of these guys back that maybe um, are on the edge about going to the draft or going pro or whatever. And I think Frank Martin's just going to try to do what he does, man. I mean, you, you, do you think he's going to change all of a sudden in year 10 at South Carolina and year, what, 30 of him coaching? I don't think so. So, you know, all we can do at this point as South Carolina fans is put on a brave face and hope for the best. I, I really, you know. I think that's kind of where we're at right now, unfortunately. So, all right, let's talk a little more optimism. Uh, try to get some more some more happiness out there. Uh, when you look at Shane Beamer's staff, what stands out the most, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a bunch of guys. It's a, it's a good mix. First off, you, you got some guys that have been around the game a ton. You've got guys that had, have NFL experience, a lot of college experience, of course. But you've also got a bunch of young guys that that are hungry, that are unproven. I think this entire staff. You know, I, I hate to use the word unproven, if you will, but I think this staff all has a chip on their shoulder. You know, they're all hungry. They all do have something to prove in the sense that they're guys, maybe they wouldn't have been team's first choices, but they were the right fit at South Carolina. And when you come back to Shane Beamer and you come back to, you know, building this program back to what it was, that was the main focus, right? When I talked to former players and talked to anybody around the program, when South Carolina was going through the coaching search, culture. That, that was just the word over and over and over, culture fit. And I'm so glad. I'm so happy that South Carolina hired Shane Beamer and didn't go with a Hugh Freeze, didn't go with a Billy Napier. That that to me would have been just such a such a typical good old boy SEC move. I'm so glad South Carolina thought outside the box. When it comes to the staff, again, guys like Clayton White and Jimmy Lindsey and, and Marcus Satterf Satterfield that have been around the block, have been at the NFL level, Torian Gray, you know, his NFL experience. And then guys like Justin Stepp, you know, Eric Kimry. Like I said, it's a really good mix of guys. They all want to be here. They all value the, the University of South Carolina. They all see what South Carolina has to offer. They're all relentless recruiters, which you have to be in this day and age to have a job like that on a D1 staff. So I think it's a really good mix. And, again, the one common denominator, they all want to be at South Carolina. You know, they, they all, you know, you listen to any of them talk. They're all, they're all so blessed to have the opportunity to coach in the SEC and to coach at USC specifically. And again, I think they're all hungry and chomping at the bit for this opportunity. So again, I'm really happy with the staff. You know, I think when I graded it, I graded it uh, a B overall. And the reason I did is because again, like I said, there's a lot of things I like about it. There's a lot of unknowns too, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm glad South Carolina for once is rolling the dice. Like, give it a chance. Like, like Steve Spurrier used to say, which happy birthday to the HBC today. Give fate a chance. You know what I mean? Give it a chance. Um, you know, I'd rather roll the dice with a bunch of guys who want to be here, who want to be Gamecocks, who love this place, value this place, know what this place can be, versus a bunch of Georgia and Florida alums that are just here for a check. You know what I mean? I'm, I, that's another thing with Shane Beamer. I'm so happy we're finally, <clears throat> we're finally giving a Gamecock his shot. Because, again, as much as I love the HBC, as much as I love Coach Spurrier, like, didn't it get kind of old just – Georgia OC, Georgia, former Georgia player, former Florida player, former Florida this, Georgia that. It's like, dude, let's get a Gamecock in the building. Tori Gurley said something great to me. It takes a Gamecock to know a Gamecock. I think that's so valuable. Shane Beamer, he's seen South Carolina at its best. He was literally on staff when we went to the SEC championship in 2010. Hey, we can talk about 11, 12, and 13, and I love those teams, and I think those were great teams. But one team 
has ever gone to Atlanta, and it's the one Shane Beamer was on. So, you know, you hope, obviously, he can duplicate that success. Who knows? We'll see. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But I think his staff overall, really high on it. Again, it's a great mix of young guys, older guys, veteran guys, um, guys that are young and chomping at the bit. I think it's a great staff overall, and I'm really excited. Again, we got the spring game this Saturday. But, of course, this first season under Shane Beamer, really excited to see what product they put on the field this year. And well, uh, oh, I, Sorry, oh, Jed. Yeah. I, this is, it has to do with the spring game. So, after the spring game, uh, Sunday morning, who's the player we're going to be talking about? Who's the, uh, who's the it factor that, that happened on Saturday? Well, you know we're going to be talking quarterbacks. I mean, I feel like that's a given. No, I mean, outside of that, though, that's a great question, honestly. I, I, that's something that, uh, you know, we're, we're doing our spring game preview stuff all week and something I actually started thinking about yesterday. But who, like, like you said, who's that guy we're going to be buzzing about? I think to carry on Joyner. I, I really do, man. I, I know a lot of Gamecock fans are pulling for him to do really well, and he's been a team guy. He's changed positions. And, and Justin Stepp and Beamer have spoke really, really highly on him. And, and a guy that I've talked to that uh, is really close with Gamecock football told me, He's finally playing fast. You know, he's not thinking. He, he's just letting his ability take over. We all know his ability. I mean, it was it was baffling last year why he didn't touch the field more because it seemed like every time he touched the football, it was a big play. I, I would not be surprised. And, you know, I'm not somebody that overreacts to anything that happens in the spring game. You know, every spring game, there's a guy that breaks out that really never touches the field again or whatever. You know, that's not a knock when anybody does one in the spring game, but you guys know what I'm saying. Just because you have a big, big spring game, that doesn't mean – that doesn't spell success for that season. But I would not be surprised if we didn't see the best version of the carry-on joiner. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just have a good feeling about him at the wide receiver position. You know, we're looking – who's going to step up there? You know, who's going to be the go-to guy? Who's going to be the number one option out there? And I don't think Dak's going to be the number one option this season per se, but I think – I think this will be the biggest season for him in regards to making plays for Salcon. I'm really excited to see what he does this season, but do not be surprised in my opinion if Dak Joyner doesn't break a couple couple big plays off this Saturday and people are and I think Dak's a guy people already talk about anyway. So I mean if he scores a touchdown, the buzz is gonna be through the roof. Yeah. I think he probably will have a big spring game. I, I think it's gonna be uh gonna be really fun to watch. So all right. So that was Chris Phillips. Uh great show. I mean, great interview, uh, great person to talk to and we, we love the Spurs Up show here. Uh, they gave you great information about all Carolina sports. So, uh, as we know now, the rain on Saturday is moved the spring game to Sunday. So, just a reminder, the spring game is on Sunday. And uh, on Tuesday, some pretty fun, fun, fun things is that uh, on last Tuesday, I got to meet with Shane Beamer at his uh, – he, he threw on the Goonies for people who signed up at Williams Bryce, and we all got to watch the movie. And we got to take pictures, and I got to talk to him, and I asked him, so who, like, which side is better right now for the spring game, the black or the, the Garnett? And he gave me, you know, a pretty generic answer. But he said that everyone needs to be getting healthy. So hopefully we can see everyone on Sunday healthy and we can see everybody uh, playing. So we're excited for that. Uh, again, no Jay this week, sadly. And it's our last show, so I want to thank everybody this semester for helping us out. I want to thank Flynn for being our, our great news chair and uh, helping out with the show each week. But some other, th some other things in sports. The NFL Draft is next Thursday. I, as a super fan, I'm pretty excited. And I'm excited to see some Gamecocks that are projected pretty high. J.C. Horn, Shai Smith, and the Israel Mukamu are the biggest names for the, the Carolina Gamecocks in the draft. We'll see where they fall and which teams get the nice talent uh, from South Carolina. The music for the show is called No Time to Lose by Morning Light Music. That I'm totally forgetting to play. But 
There it is. Uh, the music for the show is called No Time to Lose by Morning Light Music. The countdown is production by WUSC News. Uh, produced by myself, Brady Fitzgerald, and, of course, Jay Weaver. If you like what you hear and want to check out other WUSC News podcasts, head over to garnetmediagroup.org or any other podcast streaming services. That being said, you can see uh, the Spurs Up show on Instagram and also on any other podcast streaming services. They're on all of them. But follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WUSC News. Send us some questions for next semester. We want to hear them. We want to hear the voice of the people. That does it for the week. I'm Brady Fitzgerald, and the countdown ends in 3, 2, 1.